Well, hello there. I beg your pardon and sorry for the mess. Someone spilled the Leviathan blood and left the mini Mako reactor running again. Anyhow, you're listening to MageCast, the ensemble podcast by the well-read mage and a cast of mages. Each episode, I sit down with my rotating panel of magical guests to have some civil discourse about a single game. We're a group of games writers dedicated to clarity, integrity, and depth in long-form critique. You can find us on WordPress at thewellreadmage.com. MageCast is part of the Little Fella Media Podcast Network, now sponsored by top-tier podcast host Buzzsprout. Crowdfunding support makes projects like MageCast possible. If you enjoy our work, written or otherwise, you can become a Warrior of Light, a patron and supporter at patreon.com forward slash thewellreadmage. Check it out for more information on our vision for the future of games writing and gaming community, as well as exclusive audio bonus content and rewards like membership cards and our secret Discord HQ Mage Chat. Links are in the description. Oh, and now let's start the show. Okay, question. Am I a butterfly dreaming I'm a man or a bowling ball dreaming I'm a plate of sashimi? Welcome to... The ultimate episode of MageCast. If you only ever listen to one episode of MageCast in your entire human biological lifespan, this will probably be the episode to listen to. That's because I'm sitting here talking with the professor, the doctor, the scholar of tunes, the maestro of melody, I know I can't do that for for too long. I ran out of <laughs> options. <laughs> ideas. Sitting here with ABXY Mage, aka ABXY Reviews, we're going to be talking about Chrono Trigger, y'all. Yeah, Chrono Trigger. This is for a lot of people. This is the game. Okay, except for that one guy with Planetscape Torment. But <laughs> this is this is the game. So what we're actually going to be doing is spending a few episodes talking about Chrono Trigger. Uh, I'm going to have, hopefully, a Chrono Trigger trilogy here of episodes. So my first guest, though, ABXY Mage, before we dive into Chrono Trigger, let's have a, a bit of introductions. Let's just, you know, talk about who are you, one. Like, really, who are you? Uh, are you a butterfly, Jimmy? You're a man. Uh, what are you into right now? What's your shtick? What are you playing? And what are you working on? I know there's something you're about to uh, three, two, one launch, relaunch <laughs> of sorts. <laughs> uh, okay, where to start? Uh, so I am abxy underscore reviews on Twitter. Uh, the abxy mage. I most recently had a review on the wellreadmage dot com for Skyward Sword Zelda for the Wii. Uh, Beautiful. Uh, yes, it was very interesting to revisit. Uh, I'm... Yeah, I think a lot of people responded to the idea of rethinking Skyward Sword. For a while, it was like, this is the black sheep, Skyward Sword. Blah. But I don't think it was necessarily what people were expecting or wanting when it came out. And uh, mm -hmm. but, but the quality is there, so people can enjoy it more now that time's gone by, I think. Kind of, you know, yeah. Wind Waker had mixed reception when it first came out. And then, in retrospect, is pretty universally loved right 
Right. And you meet, you meet people now and then who are just like, ugh, Wind Waker. I'm allergic to water. Yeah, but they're uh, idiots. But <laughs> 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 I'm going to have to edit that out. <laughs> uh, I was thinking about this question uh, a couple weeks ago, which is, do you think we can accurately uh, criticize a subject when it's first released, like an entertainment subject? Or is hype and hyperbole uh, too strong? Or um, is there just not enough time reasonably to give something a fair criticism? So like in like you mentioned with these two examples, Wind Waker um, and Skyward Sword. When Skyward Sword came out, I remember people hated it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I remember people, you know, uh, divisive uh wind waker wind waker was divisive when it came out um but now it seems that enough time has gone by these games aren't new anymore uh but they've sort of settled and people have been able to kind of rethink them and reevaluate them and let thoughts sort of pass through them and sort of allow them to sit into this sedimentary um context of their time and so people are able to I think look at them a little more fairly than when they first came out. And that probably works, you know, the other way around as well for games that were really, really popular when they first came out. And then over time, they kind of settled down into a middle-ish zone. Um, what do you think about that, like, that whole question, though? Can we, can we accurately critique something when it comes out? Uh, I think it depends, I guess. Um... You know, something that you said in there made me think as far as uh, putting it against its contemporaries. I, I think there's an added layer when it's a, an entry in a franchise, especially such a beloved mm. one, because it, it's going to be nearly impossible not to compare it to all of the other entries in the franchise. You know, how far does it move the franchise forward? Is it just like the other games? It's... I think it's a little more important with an entry in a franchise to look at not just the game that it came before it, but the game that comes after it and how it fits between them and next to those two. Yeah. Um, that's an interesting thought. Uh, Zelda is certainly one of those franchises that's very... It's, it's somewhat formulaic. Uh, well, we'll say it's very formulaic, but it still does sort of play around with broad structures. Of things, um, you just think of like massive differences between the 2D and the 3D games in terms of broad architecture, um, and then even in terms of Skyward Sword and Wind Waker and say Breath of the Wild, uh, those are all very different games. And as far as how you move through them as the player, mm-hmm. um, versus um, games that are much more similar, um, certainly I think the the 2D top down Zeldas are very similar. Uh, to each other, maybe more so similar than the 3D Zeldas are to each other. Uh, I would, I, I think, I would agree with that for the most part. But then you've got Zelda Two following up Zelda One, where like is barely any similarity. Uh, Breath of the Wild certainly isn't like any of the other 3D Zeldas. No, that's true. That's definitely true. It certainly plays very differently and has different sort of goals. It's funny that that's what people's big complaint is about all of the 3D Zeldas now that Breath of the Wild has come out is that they're not open mm, world enough. That's interesting. But but they were all brilliantly open world before right. it came well, out. Well, yeah. Like. Uh, I think even the way that we think about open worlds have changed 
since certainly since the mid '90s when you had things like Ocarina of Time come out, uh, and you had a big field, and that field was open. Um, and essentially, it's that same field right. in Breath of the Wild. It's just you know a hundred times bigger, so it feels that much more open. But it still has boundaries and that sort of thing. Um, my goodness, how did we get on that subject? Oh yes. So we were talking I, about yeah. uh, talking about um, can you fairly criticize things um, when they come out? Um, I think it's an interesting question for people who uh, critique games like ourselves. But um, we're getting into uh, what you're playing right now. Uh, what I'm playing right now is Red Dead Revolver, which is the first in the Red Dead series, even though it is. Not a whole lot like the other games from what I've heard. Nice. Uh, it's great, though, so far. I, I started playing it earlier, and I'm um, having a lot of fun with it. Why'd you pick that game? Uh, I Actually, I couldn't tell you. I don't know. I just was it kind just of reading through. I, I, I was kind of looking through the games that I have that I haven't played, and it was the first one that really kind of jumped out at me. Nice. Yeah, maybe it's because I just watched Tombstone and you could feel like the cowboy vibes emanating well, across and then the I told, nation. I told you then I watched Hatfield and McCoys. Oh, there you go. So, yeah, it's cowboy time, y'all. So, yeah. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> okay, and I so really that's... haven't I haven't played very many if very many western themed games at all. You know, I've played a little of Gunsmoke for the NES. I've maybe played 10 minutes of the first Red Dead Redemption. That's about it. Sunset Riders? Super Nintendo Arcade? Uh, I've played a couple minutes. Ah, oh, dude, I wish you were here right now. We could play some of that right <laughs> now. That'd I would. Cool. Yeah, that would be fun. Um, right now I'm playing um, Super Mario 3D World that has Kitty Cat Mario. Is it awesome? A... I've, wa- I've always wanted to play that. It's pretty fun. Uh, yeah. I like that second and third and fourth players can jump in and out. Um, I like that it feels like a natural extension of the mechanics of Mario 64. Um, as a cat person, I just like that it has cat Mario. It's <laughs> <laughs> like, that's a huge bias, but come on. I love it. Um, so you're in the process of, um, of a launch mechanism of sorts. What's that all about, sir? A launch mechanism makes launch it sound to point it not cool. <laughs> <laughs> Are you kidding? NASA. You weren't a NASA kid. I was a NASA um, kid. I was just like, yeah. everything is NASA. NASA, I do like NASA. I miss NASA, I should say. Um, right. Like, you wanted to go to space camp when you were a kid, didn't who you? Who didn't? Yeah. We actually, we took a field trip in fifth grade from Michigan all the way to Florida, and one of the things we did while we were there was visit Kennedy Space Center. It was awesome. Nice. Well, I started swimming from Hawaii to Florida to go to space camp and uh, almost died after, like, uh, five minutes. So, yeah. So I never really went to it. space camp. Yeah. <laughs> I never made it. <laughs> Um, yeah, so after a brief but seemingly very long break from episodes of SideQuest, it is finally coming back. Uh, Immaculate chorus from the heavens descends. (laughs) A ray of light pierces the roof of ABXY Mage's house and lights his countenance. Yes. So, AB, so, so side quests uh, was this podcast that you launched, right? Um, yes, you did. You did a, a bunch of episodes for yeah, um, sixteen. It was something I think. that what? Well, I, I beg your pardon. 
I think 16 episodes. 16 episodes. Um, it was something that, uh, that seems like you're, you were in the process of finding what it's about. What is like the, the theme and the focus of this podcast. Uh, it's title lends it towards being multitudinous, being open towards a variety of different subjects, side quests. Um, so you had on a bunch of different guests and you did certain things. Um, Taking a break, I think, from any creative project is, I think, a good thing at certain points in time to kind of reevaluate, you know, why you're doing it, what you're doing it for, uh, what's sort of the the theme of this project. And so those were things that we talked about in that time off that you had, right? And I think we threw around a couple ideas, um, but we settled on something that I think matches your um, area of expertise, your history, and your uh, personal talents, and that sort of thing, right? Uh, I don't know about talents, but... Oh, come on. <laughs> You're selling yourself short. <laughs> uh, often I do. Uh, but yes, um, so we talked about having it focus more on music, video game music, um, the the themes and the composers and genres and I do still plan on like you said side quest kinds of lend, lends itself to some openness every single episode won't be about that but it's it's mm-hmm. definitely going to be more the focus yeah I think that's really good to have a focus um you would you call yourself a musician I wish I could well. <laughs> I think it's one of those I mean it's not like you're saying like I'm a musician. Well, like do you do you play instruments? No, not really. No. I, you, well, you of, sing, I know that, right? Yeah, and most of the music that I've created, I created on a computer using software. Okay. So I, you're I can Skrillex. I can dabble Skrillex a little a bit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, I can dink around on a piano or a guitar, but I definitely not enough to say I can play either of them. Okay. So you're a vocalist. Yes. Yes. There we go. Okay. We found your thing. So, and then uh, you and I have had pretty rich discussions on video games uh, and video Mm -hmm. game music specifically. Uh, You are in charge of this thing that you grabbed hold of and made your baby, uh, the TWRM radio series, where you craft these uh, playlists, these mixes of musical tracks um, that sort of share a commonality, a theme, an idea, that sort of thing. Um, do you have a favorite among those that you've done? Uh, that's a good question. To I put didn't you see on coming. the spot. I know. <laughs> um, I don't know that I have a favorite. I really like the one that I did in December. Um, because I worked really hard on trying to make it encapsulate literally all of the different feelings that I associate with December and Christmas time and the holidays. Mm. And I really like the way that flows. Uh, and then the second January mix, uh, Persistence, I really still listen to all the time because it really motivates me. And Persistence, what was the theme of that one? Uh, it was all um, songs from first levels of games, but that were kind of industrial sounding almost uh okay. upbeat driving kind of motivating 
Yeah, I see. That's a that's a good song for the start of the year. So yeah, the the idea of the TWR and radio series was then to encapsulate and crystallize kind of those themes that are shared between a variety of songs. So you're used to thinking about video game music uh, beyond just an an ingestion sort of thing, sort of being like the music's beautiful, it fits this part of the game. Uh, You're used to thinking about the music just itself on its own, its own merits. And piecing it together in interesting ways. So most recently you did uh, Pelagic, I think it was, right? The High Seas theme. Yes, yes. High Seas Adventure, Open Ocean. Right. So that's Sailing themes. Sailing themes. So when you say sailing themes, when people are listening to this, they should probably have an idea of what that sounds like. So it's not just every sort of water theme. It's not... Did you have that in your in your mix? I did not. That is okay, an underwater good. theme. That is an underwater theme. Thank you. So it's not just any watery theme. It's something that's high seas adventure sailing. So yes, um, with this kind of relaunch of side quests, then um, you're going to be looking at more in depth at what is sort of the mood, the the atmosphere that these themes uh, kind of convey to the listener. Would you say that's accurate? I would. Yes. And sort of, there's a lot of well, I don't know how much music theory you can unpack. Or anything like that. I mean, the, potentially, this subject could really uh, be in-depth. Obviously, there's a lot of people that study music. Um, I've taken a few music classes, but just like rudimentary stuff. So anyway, all that to say, I'm looking forward to um, kind of seeing this podcast uh, side quests kind of come into musical fr- fruition. Uh, a, a music, a video game music themed podcast is, I think, an interesting concept. I haven't run across one yet, other than side quests. Have you? I haven't. Um, yeah. I haven't really sought any out, but I haven't yeah. heard of any. No. I mean, I breeze across a lot of podcasts, like on Twitter, gaming communities, Discord, right. stuff like that. But yeah, I haven't seen one that that makes that as its focus. So, uh, when can we expect? Uh, a, a new episode from this relaunch of side quests. Uh, it depends on when this episode is going to be airing. <laughs> I yeah, guess. Yeah, like, <laughs> <laughs> this episode is going to be launching Monday the nineteenth, and you're launching that following Thursday. That is correct. Awesome. Okay, so we're going to have a double week. Then we're going to have Magecast on Monday, and then we're going to have side quests on Thursday. The very first musical episode of side quest uh another thing that i'm i'm really looking forward to with um this new side quest relaunch is hopefully you'll be able to sit down and talk with some um some composers of video game music um some musicians of video game music um some music oriented personalities and that sort of thing so that should be really neat there's a lot of them out there um yeah and they don't get talked to most often. I think that video game composers kind of are on the back burner for a lot of interests, you know? Um, people have talk been, to designers. I think they always have been, too. I mean, look at how they used to credit them in old yeah. retro games. <laughs> and the first thing I thought of was, was it Castlevania, where they just, like, list their names as, like, parodies of horror actors? Yeah. Like, you don't even know who 
made this game. <laughs> <laughs> or Capcom's house band that was just called uh, what, Alpha Lila, but they just <laughs> changed out the members as often as they wanted to and then just still said it was the same band. <laughs> nice. Nice. So, so anyway, look forward to that. That'll be cool to dig into, uh, you music lovers out there, you audiophiles. Okay, so we're going to talk about Chrono Trigger, which came out in the middle of the greatest decade of gaming. Uh, well, I don't know about that. But uh, the 90s were, was, the 90s was a crazy decade for gaming. You had the console wars starting up. You had um, all these different mascots. You had the start of the 3D era. You had the end of the 8-bit era. You had, just in those 10 years, a lot happened in video games. Uh, and a lot of great games come out. But right in the middle of the 90s, 1995, was Chrono Trigger. So this is MageCast episode 25, Corridors of Rhyme. Uh, talking about Chrono Trigger... I just want to touch more broadly on impressions and memories. Uh, do you remember the first time you played Chrono Trigger? Uh, I think so, yeah. I played it a lot of times through beginning to end when I first got it, so I can't say for certain if my memories of the first time were really the first time. Hmm. But I'm pretty sure. Did Instantly you, blown away. So did you did you own it at the time, or you borrowed it or rented it? Uh, so I actually think I might have told this story on a previous episode. A neighbor uh, nobody of remembers mine, anything. Go ahead. <laughs> a neighbor of mine let me borrow a handful of his Super Nintendo games. So he let me borrow Super Metroid, Chrono Trigger, Final Fantasy II, um, Super Return of the Jedi, Mega Man X, and SimCity. And about two weeks later, he got a Nintendo 64, and he came over to my house, and he knocked on the door, and I answered it, and he said, hey, all that Super Nintendo stuff that you have, you can just keep it. I have an N64 now. So then I just owned all of those things all of a sudden. So, And that's the same Chrono Trigger that you still have? No. So it is it along with Final Fantasy and... Super Metroid and my gold cartridge, Ocarina of Time, were all stolen when I was in college. Dang. Yeah. What's worse, having your Chrono Trigger cartridge stolen or your identity stolen? Oh, uh, <laughs> boy. That's a tough question. <laughs> so I had, uh, I had a friend growing up who did own this game, pretty sure. Uh, and I played a lot of RPGs at his house. We we kind of took turns playing through JRPGs at his house on the Super Nintendo. And this was one where I turned it on and was like, whew, this looks and sounds great. Uh, but I only played it infrequently. I would visit him during the summertime. Uh, and then the rest of the year, I wouldn't I wouldn't be able to play his, his things. I would find it now and then and would rent it at a Blockbuster and so on and so forth. Uh, I came into owning it at one point, and I do not remember what it was uh, that allowed me to own it. But I bought it, I got it at some point during a summertime, and I spent like a month in my room playing it every day. Uh, I put blankets over the windows. Uh, I hung up Christmas lights in my room. Uh, <laughs> I went all out. I had like food that I prepared so that, you know, I wouldn't have to spend too much time away from this game. And I just would wake up 
and spend all day like exploring this game not just playing it but like exploring it really spending time digging in the secrets trying to figure things out eventually got a strategy guide so this was my game for like a summer um and i spent a, a, and this is in <laughs> this was in hawaii where it's like in the summertime quite hot and i had blankets <laughs> over the window uh, so it was like i made myself a chrono trigger sauna but <laughs> but this game has stayed with me ever since um i'll never forget that time i can never replicate an experience like that I'd never do that to my my health again i would probably die if i did that now but uh chrono trigger then is very it's a special game to both of us uh i eventually i'll gave... say uh Sorry, just you were Yo, saying, remembering waking up. Uh, it's the first game that I got into the fight with my parents about, Would you just let me get to the save point. Oh, nice. <laughs> uh, that was, it was the first one that did that for me. <laughs> nice. I think it, this one was not. I think Breath of Fire 1 was for me. Just let me get to the save point. A couple times I just leave my system on, like all night. Um, but... It, yeah. No, I remember my mom, uh, who was a physical therapist when I was growing up, um, would teach aerobics classes and things like that, was always like, go outside and get some exercise or you're going to be a blobfish. And I was just like, yeah, but <laughs> Chrono Trigger, have you played this game, mom? <laughs> oh, my gosh. Chrono Trigger is amazing. So uh, I do not have that that cart of Chrono Trigger anymore. I actually gave it to... Um, that friend whose house I originally played it at for his birthday one year. So he must have either not owned Chrono Trigger in the first place or gave his away or lost it somehow. Um, and I haven't seen that guy for a really long time. So I hope he still has it. I hope he enjoys it because now he can't exactly find the Chrono Trigger cartridge pretty easily. Yeah, <laughs> no it's kidding. quite expensive, yeah. Um, but it is it is my favorite game, nonetheless. Oh, I didn't think we established that. This is my favorite game of all time. Favorite game yeah. of all time. Yeah. Mine is it too. yours? Oh, yeah. Yep. High five yep. across the the stretches yeah. of time. Yes. Um, and, and time and space. Uh, the wings of time. The winds of time. Oh, so good. So kind of to still talk more broadly about this then. Um, memories. Uh, impressions. What... Is, do you have a favorite moment in this game? Wow. A single favorite moment. Yeah, like when um, I say Chrono Trigger, what is the first moment, the scene, the character, whatever, that comes to mind that you're like, oh. Uh, maybe I, I still really like the first time the portal opens and you end up in the in 600... Oh yeah. In the Middle Ages. The yeah. that first first time going after um Marla in the portal and seeing the not three D but you know actually oh. traveling in the time portal. Right, right, right. That mode seven sort of the wavelength thing yeah, going on. Yeah. That was a cool effect, dude, back in the mm-hmm. day. Yeah, and and you that. just and just not really knowing what's going on, you know, a strange reaction to a necklace during a teleportation experiment at a fair, and you yeah. just jump in. You really right. just head first into adventure. Yeah. Now, how old were you when you played this? If you uh, I would have been in third grade. Okay, I was about ten, I think, nine so, or ten. Yeah, about the same age. Yeah, 
And I was too stupid to get the gist from the title Chrono Trigger that this was a time traveling game. Yeah, same. Had no yeah. idea until yeah. I was like, Toronto, what is that? You know, I don't even know the word. <laughs> but uh, so, right, th- that moment when you, you, you're on the mountain, you're like, cool, dude, I'm on the mountain, whatever. And you come out of the mountain. This is the moment that hits me with that 600 AD moment. When you come out of the mountain and you're on the overworld map again by your town, and you can tell the topography is all the same, but it's misty. And then, uh, you know, in the bottom corner where it previously said the time, it's a question mark. And mm-hmm. like, I was like, what? There's like a little bit more forest, a, f- yeah. a little bit fewer buildings, but My it's, you first... know it's the same. Exactly. My first little kid thought was parallel universe, uh, alternate dimension, because that's comic book stuff, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. But. This, I was not expecting it to be like a time travel game and a time travel RPG. That's super cool. Super and not cool. just that. I mean, that's that's just the first time. Yeah. You know, the next time you jump, you think, oh, we're just going to go, you know, guess we'll just go back and forth. That's still cool. But even the present day is kind of medieval-ish. But then all of a sudden you're in BC, you're in the future, you're in each jump that first playthrough is mind-blowing. Yeah. Right, exactly. Because the, the the scenery, the the settings change so much. Um, and a perfect example of what I'm about to illustrate, the first time you jump to the Ice Age uh, and you climb up and exit into the overworld in the Kingdom of Zeal, the floating uh, islands in the sky, mm-hmm. the first time that happened, I stopped playing and just sat and looked at the TV and listened to the music play. Uh, the game does a really clever thing where that track quarters of time um, only <clears throat> only plays once, I think, prior to that reaching Zeal the first time. It only plays once when uh, Melchior is um, fixing the sword, uh, the Masa Moon, right, I think. Um, and you had to, well, he's from Zeal, uh, but you had to get some kind of artifact in order to fix it i think it was mm-hmm. from from uh the prehistoric era so but it was something that just barely hinted at that sort of ancient magic kind of a thing something you don't truly understand the arcane uh and then once you hit kingdom of zeal that's sort of like this full unflowering the revelation of what that hint was and you just see this gorgeous i mean to this day i still think it's one of the most beautiful scenes in the 16-bit era, the, the floating islands in the sky in the Kingdom of Zeal, and that music just plays. That's my favorite track in this whole uh, soundtrack, Spoilers, Corridors of Time. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, but for me, that's the moment that, um, that I realized that I really loved this game, and that's the moment that I think of first whenever somebody says Chrono Trigger. So um, this is a great question. This is from... Uh, S underscore W underscore Steiner on Twitter, who asked, what is Chrono Trigger? (laughs) What is Chrono Trigger? So that's sort of like packed into that question is what makes this game so special? Uh, Why do people never shut up about this game? Uh, Why? Why this game? But what is what is Chrono Trigger? How would you address that? Uh, it's the best game ever. (laughs) (laughs) 
That's an easy way to say it, but come on, this is MageCast. You got to dig a little deeper. Um, so, I mean, we've touched on it a little bit. The story, it's it's huge, but it, it makes sense. It involves time travel, but there aren't a bunch of uh, things that suspensions of disbelief that don't make sense or that you have to kind of write off at all somehow does make sense or as much as you need it to. At At no point in the story are you like, wait, what? Right. Even, uh, you know, spoilers, even when Chrono dies and you use the Chrono Trigger to bring him back to life, you're still not like, oh, that's stupid. Actually, it's awesome. Uh, who saw the main <laughs> character dying and you play without him for a while, but yeah. then do get him back. And you can finish the game without him, too. Yeah, a- I mean, after it- you save him, the game's like, well, you played without him for a while, so if you want to keep playing without him, go right ahead. Yeah, well, imagine if he dies, because this is one of those games um, that you can finish at various points. Really fascinating mm-hmm. thing about Chrono Trigger, how um, obviously it plays around with this time motif uh, and has uh, alternate endings and different timelines that you can pursue and then brings in the new game plus, um, which I believe was invented by this game. Um, it was. Where you can start over again with your items and equipment and money. <clears throat> but the game is meta enough in its handling of time as a theme that you can complete the game at various points in time and the same thing so in New Game Plus and actually have different endings. There's an ending you can only get by sort of restarting the timeline in the New Game Plus, which is the ending uh, where you fight Lavos right at the beginning with just Chrono, mm-hmm. um, which is friggin' hard. Beating the last boss with just of one character, yeah. <laughs> but that's sort of the final challenge of the game. Um but yeah, so having all these different endings, one of them obviously Chrono dies, you could finish the game without reviving him. But I just imagine if you were the player who was playing this game and Chrono dies, you reach that point, uh, and then you're like, oh, okay, and you never figure out how to bring him back and you finish the game, you, maybe your concept of Chrono Trigger is the main character dies <laughs> and that's it. Which that I mean, could you imagine be... someone's listening to this right now and they're like, "You can bring him back." Yeah, because <laughs> there was a lot of there was a lot of of secrets in this game. There was a lot oh, of yeah. content. Something that I really loved. This is off the Wikipedia page. I'm sorry, I read Wikipedia before I did this podcast. I'm sorry. Okay, I did a little bit of research beyond Wikipedia, but I just read this for you know a basic rundown. But I like what this said. It said Nintendo Power Magazine described aspects of Chrono Trigger as revolutionary, including its multiple endings, plot-related side quests, focusing on character development. That was revolutionary at the time? according to Nintendo Power. And I think in a way it still remains revolutionary. I've played some newer RPGs since 1995 that have side quests that do not focus on character development, that are not plot-related. A lot of the great secret stuff in Chrono Trigger is so good because it highlights all these layers of these characters that you didn't know before, and it, it builds the world more so than just, hey, go get me a stone from the prehistoric era, and I'll give you this item. More so than just sort of the, the inventory-focused um, side quests. Plot-focused side quests. Focusing on character development. That's awesome. I think that's a really cool thing 
about Chrono Trigger. Even if you had a quest that was essentially like a fetch quest, like just go get this thing, the fact that they tied character development and progression to it makes it not feel like that's all it is. Right. Uh, they, they plopped characters into the heart of these these uh, side quests. One that I'm thinking of was the whole uh, bringing back the forest in the desert in the present era, I think that's it was. always the one I think of is it? Robo. Uh, yeah. To me, that was just like a like a psychologically horrifying uh, side quest. So basically, you you're trying to reseed this forest, and you can time travel. So you go back in time, and you plant the seeds for the forest. But then you're like, oh no, uh, somebody has to stay behind and sort of cultivate it. And the robot's like, well, I'm a robot, so you know, just leave me here. I'll cultivate it for the next you know, what was it, 400 years or something like that? Yeah. And then you just, six. yeah, for you, it's like two minutes, hop in a time machine and go back to the present age. But for him, it's 400 years. Mm-hmm. And the thought of of him sort of tormenting himself with manual labor for 400 years. Is... Well, and also, it's been a while since I've played it, but once you go back to the future, isn't he broken down? Yeah, doesn't you need he, to... he doesn't even make it the whole time. Well, that's where that whole... Uh, iconic scene comes from right where you're in a forest surrounded uh your characters are surrounded oh yeah campfire, yes, right yeah. yeah the campfire yeah um i'm pretty sure that's that's where that scene comes from so yeah i mean it's a scene where your characters get to sit together and you get to have a quiet moment so this is an interesting thing for storytelling <clears throat> story stories need to breathe um, sometimes you, you watch a movie, you read a book, uh, you play a game and there's no breathing room. Mm-hmm. Um, this is something that I thought was, uh, missing from the earliest parts of Final Fantasy 13. Um, and I don't want to spend time cause that's, that's a horse that's been beaten into ashes at this point in, <laughs> in di- gaming discussion. But just the point being that, um, it's not just its linearity, because people will say, well, then Final Fantasy X is linear. Um, Final Fantasy IV is linear. Final Fantasy VII is linear, and so on and so forth. Um, they are, to, especially to an extent. And Final Fantasy X is, is definitely very linear. But Final Fantasy X gives you sort of breathing spaces. Gives you a town to stop and go explore as long as you like. Um, gives you sort of side branches and side quests to take on at certain points in the linearity. Final Fantasy Thirteen for a large chunk of the game is just move forward because you're a fugitive and that's it. So there's very little breathing room. Now in Chrono Trigger, I think the game gives you a lot of breathing room but still is able to maintain this kind of tension, right? You discovering in the future. Well, the first sort of problem is, oh shoot, we accidentally sent... Uh, you say Marla, I say Marley. Uh, we accidentally sent Marley... 400 years back in time now we got to go get her and then you go back and you're like well shoot uh it turns out that the people in the middle ages and 600 ad thought that marley was queen lean uh, who was missing and because they thought that uh the real queen remained missing and didn't you know uh create this lineage uh in the royalty of guardia so that's going to destroy the timeline. So they were like, okay, well, you got to go back and rescue the real queen so that you didn't create this huge mess. And you're just creating all these time paradoxes, right? And that's sort of something that gets addressed in Chrono Cross of like these kids 
messing around with the timeline and not really knowing what they're doing, thinking they're fixing small problems, but they're actually creating bigger ones. Um, mm-hmm. Interesting idea for RPGs to play around with. Um, but then you're, you kind of, you keep messing up and eventually you're sent to the distant future and you're like, well, what went down here? It's ruined. There's, you know, skyscrapers destroyed in the background. Uh, there's starving people everywhere and it's just a blasted wasteland. Uh, and you discover that, um, some kind of life form named Lavos, uh, destroyed the world. I think it was around 2001 in their timeline, 2010, something like that. Um, 2001, I think. 2001. 2000, 2001, somewhere. 2100. Let's look it up real quick. It's 2099, maybe. Ha! We were off by two years. We're off by two years. Um, So it was 1999 AD. So present day was 1000 AD in Chrono Trigger. Middle Ages was 600 AD, pretty sure, in Chrono Trigger. Yeah. Um, And the day of Lavos, or the apocalypse, was 1999. Y2K. Y2K. (laughs) Chrono Trigger predicted Y2K. It's a game theory. Um, So anyways, uh, the the game sort of is able to maintain this tension, this storyline pressure on the player to keep exploring, to keep moving forward. Because too much breathing room is bad for a story, right? That's where let's sit down and have an hour of exposition. And you're like, okay, now I don't even remember... What this? What the quest is about? <laughs> so sometimes games obviously swing in too too far in the other direction. But uh, another thing that I think when you talk about what is Chrono Trigger, why is this game so good? What makes this game so good? Uh, somebody brought up the level of polish. Uh, the polish on Chrono Trigger is very fine. Uh, it's not a game where you play where you're like, well, that hitbox was off. Uh, you play it and you're like, this is it's beautiful. Things work. Uh, it's fluid. You fight monsters on the map rather than going to mm-hmm. a separate screen. Uh, there's no random battles. Monsters appear on the map itself. People really liked that at the time. People still like that. Um, it's just a cool idea. It's very seamless when you play Chrono Trigger. Um, and it's not just you know something that 3D games really suffered from was when they tried to do stuff like that. They would suffer graphically. Yeah, Chrono Trigger's... Chrono Trigger is able to put the battlefield on the same overworld map that you're always looking at and playing on in that overhead view while also being one of the best-looking games on the system. Right. And I've said this before, gone on record of saying that late 16-bit is way ahead of early 3D. Definitely. The 90s, right in the middle of the 90s, you have just the beginnings of early 3D and you had sort of the endings of the of the 16-bit era. But the 16-bit era building off the 8-bit era produced some really beautiful-looking games, amazing experiences. And then we had to get to 3D eventually, but the early 3D stuff, I mean, you compare it's like there is some just ugly drab textures, really just pixelated slopes and stuff like that that just looks yuck. Uh, compared to a game, I'm thinking that, of Tomb Raider One. Right. <laughs> compared to a game that's this vibrant, for some reason, every time I talk about early 3D, I, I think about that game Daikatana, um, mm-hmm. which was a like a first-person shooter, but you had like a sword and crap like that. that yeah, it was game, like medieval setting. Yeah, that game was hideous. 
I mean, you had Earthworm Jim 3D. You had some games, um, even like the the nice looking ones, like Breath of Fire 3. Um, tried to do things with 2.5D or 2D sprites on a 3D background. And mm-hmm. you could see that it at some points it appeared as if the sprites were floating over the background. Um, it's it's like they tried and they had to in order to to progress the technology forward. Right. But uh, it's just an, a necessity of the time. But that means that something as vibrant as Chrono Trigger, as varied and diverse and as full of character as Chrono Trigger, um, was destined to stand out, certainly. Uh, another thing that makes Chrono Trigger special, definitely the Dream Team. The Dream Team. Come on. Hironobu Sakaguchi? What's he famous for? Chrono Trigger. <laughs> <laughs> this little ditty called Final Fantasy. I don't know if you've ever heard of, of that series I, what, before. What's that? Yeah, it's this, uh, contrary to the name, <laughs> Final Fantasy. It's one of like the <laughs> longest running and most successful video game franchises ever. Uh, you had Yuji Hori. Not sure how to pronounce his last name. There's two eyes at the end, but uh, the creator of Dragon Quest. So you had like the creator of Final Fantasy from Square. You had the creator of Dragon Quest from Square or uh, from Enix. I almost said Square Enix because eventually they did, as we know, uh, become one. But these two sort of rivals working together, Final Fantasy and Dragon Quest. Dragon <laughs> Quest still going. Uh, Dragon Quest, the most recent one, came out recently. Um, <laughs> the most recent one came out recently. What an idiot. <laughs> and then you had Akira Toriyama, <laughs> the guy who created Dragon Ball and Dragon Ball Z. I mean, this is the 90s. I, do you know if I watched Dragon Ball Z in the 90s? Of course I watched Dragon Ball Z in the 90s. <laughs> like like every good boy did in the 90s. Um, but yeah, so Akira Toriyama was sort of the artist that, uh, crafted the look of this game. Sakaguchi, um, was somebody who served as a producer and designer for this game. Um, and then you had Yuji Hori who, um, came up with the original, uh, sort of rough draft concept, uh, of the story of this game. The story was later, uh, written by Masato Kato, who is also famous for Chrono Cross, and Final Fantasy VII, and Xenogears, and Final Fantasy XI. I don't know if you guys have heard of these games. I mean, they're really obscure. The Mana series. So they had an amazing writer working with an amazing designer, working with an amazing artist, working with an amazing uh, creator. All these great creators working together, the Dream Team. And then, to sort of segue into the big topic of this podcast. Uh, and then you have the composer Yasunori Mitsuda and Nobuo Uematsu, the composer of the Final Fantasy series, working on this soundtrack. So, I mean, these people, this, this dream team, dream team refers to Sakaguchi, Hori, and Toriyama, the three, but... Taken broadly, this dream team. This is a game that could not be replicated, is the point. Uh, later down the road, you know, Sakaguchi would make his own games. Um, 
Hori would go on to other things. Toriyama, I presume, is still making Dragon Ball. I don't know. They keep coming out with new versions of Dragon <laughs> Ball. But uh, like Dragon Ball GT X 365 over eight days. You're like, what? It's like the Kingdom Hearts of manga. Anyways. He continued um, to do the art for Dragon Quest too, didn't he? Yeah. Yeah, he did that. But uh, this unique combination of talents at this one point in time would never be replicated again. And that's something that really makes Chrono Trigger special. It's a unique... And when you look at that group and their credits, I mean, it's not hard to see that it's one of the greatest games of all time. How could it not be when you've got those minds working together? Yeah. Some of the most talented people in Japanese gaming working together. Uh, and, and not in even prime. in their prime exactly <laughs> this is right around like final fantasy 6 and and 7 are you kidding me like yeah this is like prime this is like the golden age of grpgs uh yeah so <clears throat> a unique combination of talents something that would not be replicated but since uh you're going to be doing this relaunch this musical relaunch of side quests um, I thought we would really make this first episode in a Chrono Trigger trilogy uh, the uh, episode to focus on the music and the soundtrack of Chrono Trigger. Um, this soundtrack is the first soundtrack I ever wanted to own out of any movie or any video game. Uh, I remember wanting it's the, it so It's the bad. first one I ever did own. Oh, really? Yep. Wow. Yeah, I, I wanted to own it, and then... Uh, I, I never got it. <laughs> I think the first soundtrack I ever owned was Final Fantasy VII's. It was a hobby shop. A local hobby shop had it in his window for like 80 bucks. And I was like, I really want that. But I never never once have seen the Chrono Trigger uh, soundtrack in person. I uh, worked with a guy who had it on, had the CD of it. And I was just just happened to be talking about it at work and he overheard me and then brought it in and I took it home and ripped it onto my computer. And I don't even know how long ago that was thousands of plays ago. Yeah. Ripped it onto your computer. So, but definitely before YouTube. <laughs> oh yeah. yeah. Yes. Uh, I, I messed around on Napster a little bit and got some of the songs and stuff like that. Um, one of the problems with video game soundtracks at the time is it was tough to know which was sort of the original version of the song that you wanted. Mm -hmm. um, not only did you have to deal with, um, you know, the tracks being named in different languages or having different titles, <clears throat> but then you had to deal with like, well, is this like, is this MP3 like a guy who recorded it off of like, uh, <laughs> off of like a Mattel like cassette player? Because this does not sound good <laughs> like at all. Uh, <laughs> But I wonder, sir, if um, I want to talk briefly about the composers, uh, Umatsu, briefly. Uh, this Umatsu is a guy who uh, helped me fall in love with music. Um, the first song I learned to play on the piano was To Zanarkand. Uh, I just really adore Umatsu's style of music. He apparently came on uh, after Mitsuda um, contracted uh, stomach ulcers and finished... Um, the rest of the soundtrack that need to be finished about 10 tracks is what I saw. So, um, do you have like, what would you say is your favorite Uematsu soundtrack? Oh boy. 
Um, <laughs> that's, like... <laughs> that's really hard. Uh, <laughs> one that you really like. One that I really like. I mean, uh, you know, Final Fantasy seven, six, four. Those are frequent revisits for me. Yeah, I think four, six, and seven are are real great. I like. I mean, I like his stuff all the way up to. Well, after ten is when he started dipping out little bit by little bit, and you can you can definitely see that on the influence of the Final Fantasy series. The less Uematsu you get, sort of the the more different Final Fantasy becomes. Mm-hmm. Eventually, until you get to sort of like J-pop type stuff and J-rock, where you're just like, this is not like, this is not the same. Yeah. There's a there's a there's a person who asked. Uh, there's a perfect question here. This is from Eros Elric on Twitter. Do you believe more JRPGs should implement character-themed music, or should the audio only focus on the themes of the plot? I think that's a great question because it's super observant. When you look at the way that JRPGs have changed over time, you get a lot less focus on character themes and more sort of very broad themes um, that are just in the track, uh, in the soundtrack. Uh, Uematsu was somebody who created character themes for like every character mm-hmm. in the game. <laughs> it would have like their own personal theme, and then you could weave it in uh, to other themes in different ways and that sort of thing. Final Fantasy IX is one that I think that's really good about character themes, um, but definitely Chrono Trigger. Chrono Trigger has like character themes for everybody. Spekio has a character theme. <laughs> like goat creature from the end of time. Like, yeah, awesome. Is that what you call him, a goat creature? He starts off as a goat creature. I guess. And then he changes into like a thing. <laughs> a thing. <laughs> <laughs> Spicio. So that, that yeah. Um, but most of the soundtrack was composed by Yasunori Mitsuda, uh, who, looking at his... His list of works here uh, is somebody who has done a lot of music, um, and he's still writing music. Chrono Trigger was actually his very first uh, soundtrack that he ever um, he ever wrote almost entirely by himself, but sort of the bulk of. Previously to that, he did things like sound design, sound effects, and programming. But uh, in 1995, he was able to get sort of his big break, and do Chrono Trigger. Uh, this was something that Mitsuda said himself. He said, The number one goal this time was to make something that you could listen to over and over without getting sick of it. So each piece is really long. Normally the music loops after a minute. And that's that's true. We know that about video mm-hmm. games. They, they loop uh, really shortly. Definitely before 95. Uh, but all of my pieces in Chrono Trigger are more than two minutes, so no one gets tired of them. But it's tough writing two minutes of music. Well, it takes twice as long as usual. Then in the end, the number of pieces needed jumped dramatically, and I got so busy I couldn't do anything. Anyway, there's a sense that I accomplished as much as I possibly could at this point. But around December 20th of last year, when I needed so much more music all at once, probably 94, 93, I was at a total loss. I wrote the last battle and then a long one, about four minutes for the end credits, and I thought I was done. Then they'd say, haven't you written the sub-boss music yet? I stayed at my office for four days without sleep to write the music for the last sub-boss, but I really wanted to run away. Well, I used up every ounce of my abilities, and we know from history that he got 
uh, very sick, had to be hospitalized. Um, he was literally working himself to death for this soundtrack, um, which is sad, but it shows. Yes. Holy moly. <laughs> yeah. I mean, this is a soundtrack like I joked around with, with uh, 16-Bit Dad on Twitter. I only like soundtracks that give their composers ulcers. <laughs> like, this is, a, this is a soundtrack that almost killed the guy. Uh, but he poured so much of himself, his life, literally, into this game. Um, and it doesn't, it doesn't come trigger. off that way at all. You know, there's not a single track on it that you listen to and think this must have been towards the end when he was just trying to wrap things up. He, 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 you mm. could convince me he spent 20 years composing that, and I'd believe you. Yeah, yeah. Now, why is that? Why? Like, what is, what is, what is it? What is it about this soundtrack uh, that makes you think it has that level of? of time that was invested into uh i think there's a couple things the first most uh well i guess first i'll say one you already pointed out which is that there are character themes in addition to the plot themes uh and just the overarching Mm. themes of the entire story but there's specifically themes for each character plus minor characters uh but then there's also the having to write music that fits five different time periods I mean, obviously yeah. the music in the future couldn't sound like it does in prehistoric times, and they don't. Right. Yeah, and it's not just one track per time period. Right. I mean, we're talking about, like, you you have to... This is something I had absolutely had hoped that you would hit on. He had to write music that would fit prehistory, uh, the Middle Ages, uh, this sort of magical Ice Age cast system hierarchy age. Uh, the futuristic settings, the present day, uh, the end of time. He had to craft all these different uh, musical ideas that would fit these very different settings. The future is very different from prehistory. So you can't recycle a lot of music in that sense. Like, (laughs) I remember the first time I came across Tyranno Layer in... uh, in uh, prehistory, that that song does not belong anywhere else in the game. <laughs> like, I think it's only—is it only used that one time? I can't remember if it's. Uh, and then when you, I mean, like two. Dendrits. I think, and then yeah, because then you go back later. Right, but right, that's right. it. Yeah, that track sounds like a dinosaur playing a guitar. <laughs> Just saying that right now, <laughs> like, it sounds like a T Rex, like like is like like wailing on an electric guitar. Uh, you could not use that track anywhere else. That's something that's special for the Reptite dungeons. Uh, but then to be able to craft music that was already extraordinarily long for its time. Uh, like you said, you could listen to it over and over again because of its length. That's true. I mean, like yesterday I was listening to the Chrono Trigger soundtrack because I needed to remember one specific melody. And I ended up just listening to the whole thing. I mean, how many times have you listened to this soundtrack? Uh, honestly, hundreds. I mean. Yeah, it's true that it's music that he crafted that you, you could listen to over and over without getting sick of it. Another interesting thing about this soundtrack too is 
apparently the the main theme so there's sort of like the the dream the dream theme that goes along with chrono trigger you have the dream team putting it together uh chrono trigger's kind of code name during production was the dream project because it was something that these people just dreamt up together and really pursued this sort of passion project um but also for Yasunori Mitsuda, apparently the I think it was the main theme that da 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 da, da came to him in a dream. Uh, to me, that's just something that like like it gives me tingles, <laughs> like goose flesh. Like that's like that's like one of those like perfect idealized like creativity moments. You're like this came from a dream, y'all. Uh, but yeah, I just think that's, that's yeah, amazing. that's crazy. So some other things that Mitsuda worked on, he did the soundtrack for, huh, Mario Party. <laughs> That's a did surprise. not know that the first one. Yeah, the first one, uh, Chrono Cross, which is an incredible soundtrack, an amazing soundtrack. Xeno uh, Gears, <laughs> great soundtrack, quite good. Yeah, uh, a couple of these Shadow Hearts Bomberman '64, Shadow Hearts Covenant. Covenant uh luminous arc just picking out ones that i've heard of um he took over xenoblade chronicles so like he did xenoblade chronicles 2 um that was something that really made me want to play that game was seeing his name again because to me i hadn't seen him active in in game composition for a while evidently he was though all this uh, oh, he did final fantasy 15 episode ignis uh he's done some work in anime other projects but it seems like Chrono Trigger was his first. Uh, I mean, presumably the guy didn't get ulcers every time he composed. I hope not. If he, <laughs> considering how many games he's worked on, yeah, like that poor guy's guts. Uh, but it seems like Chrono Trigger then was the one that again it was part of the dream project. He had a unique set of people to work with, and he really poured his himself everything that he had into composing this one soundtrack. So even though he's made all these other soundtracks down the road, to me, it doesn't seem like any of them have the scope, the quality, uh, the, the differentiation of music that Chrono Trigger does, the breadth of it. Even listening to the Xenoblade Chronicles 2 soundtrack, um, it all kind of has you know, a specific flavor to it. Uh, whereas in Chrono Trigger, he really tries out a lot of these different ideas in instrumentation, uh, in different styles of music. It's a, it's like, it's like if you had to say, what's a soundtrack that is most like a Nobuo Uematsu soundtrack that was not entirely composed by U Nobuo Uematsu, it would be Chrono Trigger's soundtrack. Definitely. So yeah, next. <clears throat> Next episode, uh, hopefully, be retro game brews. We're going to talk about story. Nice. Story and gameplay. Um, and characters, that sort of thing. And then after that, we'll talk about, uh, with Philosophical Mage, um, sort of like influence, nostalgia, and the idea of playing this game for the first time in the late 2010s. Um, so a modern perspective on Chrono Trigger. Right. Um, Cause I hate when people are just like, ah, it's just nostalgia. It's like, ah, you're an idiot. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's not. <laughs> yeah. It's not. Oh yeah. And then after that, uh, then I'm going to have a Chrono Cross episode 
with a uh, 16-bit dad. So it'll be a Chrono series. Well, if there are spoilers in that one, then tell me before I listen to the episode because I have not played Chrono Cross, and I'm planning to in the <laughs> near future because we've been talking about it a lot lately. Yeah, so every mage cast is spoilers. Is a spoiler I, yeah, cast. okay, I assumed. Yeah, so we don't do, we don't do spoiler-free episodes. Well, um, but you could have said there's not really anything in the game that's a spoiler. I don't know. Yeah, there are. <laughs> <laughs> I've only played like at the you. first hour and a half or so. So after you get like oh, okay. Mojo, is that his name? Yeah. The straw man. Yeah, the straw man. And yeah, then, bit and then, like you went to oh. another world. Yeah. Mm, I don't remember. I think I only got one or two well, characters, and that's as far as I got. I own it. <laughs> oh well, there you go. I mean that. Yeah, I think it's a great game. It's just not Chrono Trigger. Um, but, uh, yeah, there's definitely, I think now I can finally get around that. Yeah. There's, there's definitely, um, spoilery things that you do not want spoiled as far as like the, like what happens to the original cast of Chrono Trigger. Okay. Yeah. And all like the explanation for why cross happens, um, what happens to Scala that that's not resolved in Chrono Trigger. Um, it's one of the great things I love about Chrono Trigger, where it just Scala disappears and that's it. Mm-hmm. Magus looks for her and never finds her. Like if Trigger was just Trigger, that would be really like haunting. Um, another whole thing is the entity. It's not really finalized in Chrono Cross, but have you ever heard about that with Trigger? I don't think so. So the entity is this concept. <clears throat> Um, that it's something outside of the timeline that sort of orchestrates everything to happen um, to resolve various problems in the storyline um, so that the time portals are not randomly placed or they're not accidental. They're, uh, they're purposeful. Uh, it's quasi-fan theory stuff. But there is a persona that's mentioned vaguely and not by name. Um, but it's not something that's ever resolved in the series. So um, it's one of those things that will probably forever remain uh, in the region of fan speculation. The entity. Let's see. Uh, some mysterious entity that may have created the gates in Chrono Trigger and wanted the party to witness the events that they saw. So as Chrono progresses through the game, they believe that Lavos is the one leaving the gates behind. However, after the party reunites with Robo in the present, after growing the forest for Fiona, Robo explains that over the past 4,800 years he spent growing the forest, he believes now that it was not Lavos that created the gates, that some entity wished for them to witness the events that they have seen. So there it is. It's in that iconic scene that we were talking about. Oh, okay. I just don't remember him saying no, that. No, neither do I. Um, I remembered Magus talking about him at some point, but, well, him, it, whatever it is. Uh, Even you reading that quote from Robo right there in my head, I just don't see it as meaning he's actually referencing a specific, <clears throat> I don't know. I, I mean, that yeah. could or is what it is, but I don't, it's not how I would take that. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if this is verbatim or not as to what the quote is in the game, but the speculation that some entity wished for them to witness the events that they have seen. So if there is some kind of purpose, 
all-purposing persona behind Chrono Trigger, behind the events of Chrono Trigger, as far as like why the gates are are there. Um, it's just interesting stuff to speculate on, but I wish they'd resolved it. You know, um, there's things here like, oh yeah, I definitely don't want to read that to you. Uh, but yeah, there's speculations of like a deity. It could be the Earth. Um, it could be this character that I'm not going to tell you. It could be possible that the entity is actually the player of the game. So sort of like a earthbound, um, sort of acknowledging right. that it's a game universe, but anyhow, just real quick, when we were talking about time travel earlier and games handling it well, now that you just brought up earthbound, could you imagine if mother four was an earthbound game that involved time travel? <laughs> <laughs> That'd be pretty cool, actually. <laughs> I mean, I, if out of all game series to handle time travel, I would trust. I would trust uh, Earthbound to deal with that, or Mother rather. Um, that's something that I actually want to write down for the RGB episode: is um, handling of time travel. In this, as a mechanic and a storytelling um, device, in this and other time travel games. I mean, because given there are other time travel like <laughs> Turtles in Time, but, yes. but um, I mean, this is definitely this is the magnum opus when it comes to time travel in games, simply because definitely. you can you can affect what happens in other timelines based on what you do in previous timelines. Like, that's mind-blowing game design. Okay, so we want to look at the um, Chrono Trigger uh, track listings here on the soundtrack. Just go through them briefly and kind of pick out ones that we really like, ones that are really iconic and famous and that sort of thing. Um, we'll maybe address our favorites, some of the strongest themes that we think. But this will definitely highlight the scope and the breadth that we were talking about. Um, so you have that page open, right? Yeah. Okay. So the first one, presentiment, presentiment. Uh, that's just the. Yeah, the the clock and the right, piano. Right. But Chrono Trigger Track Two is the main theme. Uh, that's that one that we mentioned the 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 dream theme. A lot of people really like that theme. I mean, I think it's great. I do. Yeah. Uh, hearing that again in, in Cross, when they use that same melody in some of the tracks in Cross, is just something that really beautifully ties together these two games. Um, is that one of your favorites, then? Uh, it's not now, I wouldn't say. When I was a kid and the first, you know, maybe ten times I played the game, <laughs> it was probably one of my top three or so, but uh, maybe because it was my favorite for so long. Mm. It's not It's not really in my top, top anymore. I think that song has a really beautiful crescendo. Um, so, like, earlier we were talking about that da-da-da-da-da-da-da. But the part when it's... That part really, like, makes me think of, like, flying. It's such mm -hmm. a, like, a soaring, amazing part of that song. Um, so, Morning Light... Um, really nice green song. Oh, Memories of Green. That's maybe what I'm thinking. <laughs> See, I'm not going to remember like all these by, 
by name, but then there's Guardia Millennial Fair. I like, yeah. Who doesn't remember that of song? Yeah. Of course. Ha! Yeah. Super great. And especially, oh, and to begin a game, to begin a game with a fair. Super cool. The Chrono Trigger does not begin with, you're an orphan and your village has been destroyed by the Empire. Instead, it's just like, hey, go have fun. Go look around. Go play around. I was just going to say, yeah, it's also not just, well, the backdrop is a fair. It's actually, there's bun- there's mini games and there's little things to do. And, you know, that was the golden age of NPCs. So yeah. there's all kinds of characters to talk to and things to learn about the town, basically in the prologue. Right. And, that, I mean, it even introduces you to the battle system. Gato. Speaking of next. Yes. Speaking of uh, glorious NPCs, Gato. I like one of my favorite NPCs in this game. Okay, let's hear a rendition of of Gato's song. Do you remember the lyrics? Um, I think so. <laughs> Lay it down, because <laughs> you know this is Mage Cast. This is what we gotta do. Ah, uh, I don't want to sing this one. You sing it. My name is Gato. I have metal joints. Beat me up and earn fifteen silver points. i love that it's not just his song he's just he is a singing robot he gets a microphone out and then that's all he does is just sing at yeah he is a he is a karaoke (laughs) machine like that is his yes for some reason he's also shaped like a cat uh and named gato (laughs) and named rather than like neko in japanese gato in spanish yeah it is strange um a strange happening. I uh, I used to uh, not the first time I ever played it, but when I was young, I would farm Gato, just fight over and over and over and over, so I could buy the the load sword before going through the portal the oh, first time. Absolutely, of course. <laughs> it was so fun to farm Gato. Yeah, it took so long, but it was fun. Yeah, that was something you never got tired of. Uh, yeah, before you got Marley, and after you got Marley. I definitely did it. Quite oh, right. and uh, sorry. While we're talking about the fair, this isn't music related. No, but right. while we're talking about the fair, that's also the first time you can do something that affects the future of the game. When you end up on trial, mm. and the witnesses who testify in your favor or against you base it on the things they see you do at the fair. <laughs> exactly. It's brilliant. It is brilliant. Just right yeah. off the bat, I, just while you're exploring. They, Careful. And the first time you, you played that, weren't you like, man, I helped that kid. What it, what it, I'm being framed. Like the sense of betrayal that that creates because you're like, you thought you were being a good person. Uh, you know, the thing I really remember from the first time being in the trial was uh, I definitely ate that guy's lunch like 30 times. Yeah, that's <laughs> <true>. <laughs> like, so this is something that Winks Gaming mentioned on Twitter. I bring some girl her cat, steal people's food, and I get found guilty. I'm telling you right now, the system is corrupt. And I put hashtag. I, I remember doing all the right things the first time and then still getting the guilty outcome and just thinking. But this is Chrono Trigger. It can't work. But of course it works that way because 
that it, it is rigged against yeah. you. And multiple ways to get out of that prison. Beautiful, beautiful. But yeah, I wrote yeah. I oh, wrote yeah. a hashtag justice for Chrono hashtag boycott Guardia because obviously yeah that system <laughs> is corrupt. But yeah, guilty as charged. I ate that guy's turkey lunch. Like a thousand times. Farming got to, of course. <laughs> it's way easier than running all the way back to your house. Uh, yeah, way yeah. easier. So let's see. What's next on here? Uh, number nine, a wind wind scene. That's the uh, the medieval, uh, the Middle Ages theme that plays when you're on the, the overworld. Beautiful. Uh, yeah, wind scene is, is top ten for me, probably. Okay. Okay, well, yeah, that's fair. We'll put it on the top ten. <laughs> I like it a lot. Uh, it's yeah, it's a great track, especially it's kind of a track that really stands out as far as how different it is from everything you've heard up to that point. Um, it sounds it sounds much more distinct. Uh, you've got "Secret of the Forest," which is in my top five. I love mine too. "Secret of the Forest." "Secret of the Forest" might be my number one. Yeah, one of my favorite. Oh, really? It might. Okay, be. sing it. No. I'll do <laughs> Come on, dude. <laughs> and I'll do I'll It's do, so high pitched. Listen to how low my voice just is. Just go do, 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 and I'll do the bass line. Oh, so you get to do the low part. I know. It's so good. See, okay, why don't you do <laughs> I'll do the high part. I'll do the high part. You could do the low part. So you want me to start off with that? And then you do the bass line? I can't do it. <laughs> That's so good. I can't do it with you making that face. Sounds like a like a diva like Yeah. Anyways, that's a great so we we butchered it because you weren't ready. You gotta be ready, dude. If we're gonna go through this soundtrack, you gotta be ready. Okay. Uh battle music. It's great. It's standard. It's yeah. Yeah, it is yeah. great though. Yeah, agreed. Uh, Courage and pride. I don't remember, huh? Uh, Minoria Cathedral. I think that sounds great. Da 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 da. Um, prayer that a prayer that to the road that leads. I do not remember that one. Uh, Silent light is the first. Um. Oh, hang on here. Hang on here. <laughs> Yeah, okay. Just kidding. Silent Light is the first uh, Nobuo Umatsu oh, track on this soundtrack. Uh, all and of his are good one. great ones. I'll tell you what. Yeah, super good. Yeah. Well, like, what are they? So there's Silent Light, Boss Battle 1, okay. Mystery to the Past. I don't remember. That's a jangle. It's only seven seconds long. So Mystery of the Past is that. Okay. Uh, he also did People Without Hope. Uh, from That's from the future. I don't remember how that one goes. Yeah, I think that's the f- main theme that plays when you first arrive in the future. Nah, the really slow one. That's Ruined World. 
That's the one. Yeah, that sounds like industrial and stuff like that. A very underrated uh, song, Ruined World. But yeah, People Without Hope, I don't think it's that one. Are you looking it up right now? He also did Bike Chase. That's a great song, Bike Chase. Uh, the the uh, predecessor to the motorcycle yeah. song from Final Fantasy VII, which is also good. I like that one a lot. Uematsu, he did Underground Sewer. He did Primitive Mountain. Oh, that's a great one. He did Burn Bobonga. <laughs> that's that one, right? Oh, I don't know. Maybe it's the one that's like. I was, I was right. But look at this. Uematsu did. You were right. It's the You're never right. No, I already lost it again. Mm-hmm. Oh no, that is the one you were talking about, isn't it? See, yeah, we can do it if you're in the zone. We can do it. I will, we do well, now that I have the music queued up and I can do it along oh, with Oh, come it. on. <laughs> Primeval Mountain is the uh, the one I was originally thinking of. That's Primeval Mountain. Okay. Yeah, he did Tyran Castle and he did Sealed Door. I don't remember Sealed Door. But yeah, he did about 10 of these. Some of them are some of the best on the the whole soundtrack. Like Tyran Castle, I think, is amazing. Um, yeah. Bike Chase is, is quite good. Um, and Silent Light is good. So Frog's <laughs> Theme... Uh, spoilers are the audience picks from Twitter for uh, the most frequently mentioned favorites definitely came down to Frog's theme and Megas theme. Uh, Frog's theme has that great sense of adventure to it. Uh, yeah, almost like a quasi sense of loss. It just sounds quite beautiful. One of my favorite tracks, the trial, the kingdom trial. So amazing. Yep, me too. Uh, let me see if I can always it. loved that one. How's it go? Oh, and then it does that beautiful. I can't sing this part, but it does that beautiful, like layering. This, yeah. Uh, yeah. So good. That sounds like an Uematsu track. Like his his mm-hmm. like his love affair with like uh pipe organs. Yeah, that is a, I love that track. Okay, Hidden Truth, Shot of Crisis, Ruined World. So Ruined World <laughs> Mystery of the Past, Lab Sixteen's Ruin. Is that the one that uh that boot it boot it what lab 16 yeah oh now see we're thinking of two different ones i'm singing along to it because i'm listening to it is and that's it yeah okay so i must be thinking 
Yeah, that's good. Um, or maybe that is the same track that I was thinking of. Can't remember. What was the one you were thinking of? That That's derelict. Fa- that's the factory song. Oh. Okay, so we hadn't got there yet. Uh, Remains of the factory. There you go. Yes. That's the one that pops in my head all the time. Uh, then you have Lavos theme. Oh, the sound design for Lavos. That that roar. Yes, the roar mixed with a screech. Yeah, one of like the most unique sounds in video games. I think it does not sound quite like anything else. It's like a drill, like a dentist drill, a T Rex, and like a banshee. Like three horrible things, like all squelched into one giant, like hedgehog walrus thing um <laughs> the day the world revived uh robo gang johnny is is quite good i like um mm-hmm. that one's good oh and then of course robo's theme yeah that's a great track Great, great track. Remains of the Factory, Battle 2, Fanfare 2, Brink of Time, that's End of Time, right? Um, yeah. Yeah, Delightful Spikio. End of Time is great. Uh, that might, might yes, be one of is. my favorites. Um, a waltz for the end of time. Fanfare so 3, Underground Sewer, Boss Battle 2, Primitive Mountain, Ayla's theme. I told you when I was a kid I pronounced Ayla as Alia. For some Alia. Reason. I couldn't remember what it was. <laughs> Alia. Uh, and uh, yeah, looking at playing it again like years later, I was like, why the heck did I say that as Alia? <laughs> couldn't even read it. Uh, Rhythm of Wind, Sky, and Earth. That that one's got like a really interesting like percussive. It's such a like, dude, it sounds like it's being played on, on like wood and stones. Amazing. Yeah, that's really so far beyond what some of the earlier Super Nintendo soundtracks sounded like they were capable of. Yeah. Well, there was a lot of prehistoric games and prehistoric settings on the Super Nintendo. I mean, but that's one that like is subtle. Like it holds it it holds itself back. You know, it's just like, mm-hmm. yeah, we're just gonna do like some percussion on wooden stones. Uh Megas Castle. Uh that's just like a little uh a little Django intro here. Uh, confusing melody is one of those. I think it's like depths of insanity or something like that is another n- another title. Yeah, um, yeah. I have it as strains of insanity. Strains of insanity. That one is really creepy. Just that, mm-hmm. and then you hear like, wah, 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 yeah. wah, wah. like is that a person crying? Like what is this game? I for always children? thought it was. I always thought it was Magus laughing. Oh. I thought it was like a person being like tortured in the basement, <laughs> like just. Uh, no, I, I always thought it was like a distant like. Ah, ha, 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 ha. Uh, yeah, that's a yeah, that's a great dungeon battle with Magus. That a super beloved soundtrack or track by many. Battle with that's Magus. that's in my top five for yeah, sure. Definitely. Um, there's a way to uh, the first time I played it, I think, or one of the early times that I played it. Um, I read through the opening text as the intro to the music is playing, and then the battle started right when the song picks up, and it was Perfect. just so perfect. I was like blown <laughs> away by how amazing it was. 
Uh, let's see. We got Singing Mountain, Tyrant Castle at the bottom of the night. My favorite track off the entire soundtrack, Corridors of Time. You got to do the high notes. Oh, yeah. I love that. I had it play. I had it playing in my headphones, and you synced up that part perfectly. Oh, I did. With, uh, even though you couldn't hear what I was listening to. Uh, that's crazy. <laughs> and the podcast is never going to get better than that. <laughs> uh, what uh, What is he playing? What are they playing? What's the instrument at the intro of that song? Um, it sounds like something like gla- like glass almost. Um to me like almost like hollow glass tubes yeah i mean yeah, like I a know. glass harmonica it uh, obviously like it's all synthetic music um right yeah it almost sounds like a marimba like a steel drum you know but not like caribbean at all and then you <laughs> yeah. have like this like sitar that comes in and then like mm-hmm. a bass it's just what a fantastic sound and you have the quasi vocals of the uh, of the Super Nintendo, the yeah, much better than the quasi vocals of the N sixty four era. <laughs> I don't even remember this. <laughs> uh, Zeal Palace was another like quiet, spooky one. Scala's theme is great. That's on my top five. Um, Mine too. Yeah, it's it's Definitely. one that you you rarely hear in the game too because it's not it's a scene song. It's not uh, a setting song. So that that's that's a really good one. Uh sealed It's very song. unique. Yeah. Oh. Undersea Palace. Oh yeah. <laughs> you were the first time you heard that, you were like, "Holy moly." It's very, I was just going to say it's very big. Yeah, this is like you walk in and you're like, "Oh, I wonder what this dungeon's going to be about." Oh, it's going to be about something. Okay, you're like, and it was a big dungeon too. I mean, that was yeah, that's like the second to the last dungeon, and not easy because you got Black Omen after that. Um, but yeah, that's a great soundtrack or a great track off of this soundtrack. Um, Far off promise rings wings that cross time. I actually don't care for too much. Uh, that's the yeah, it's uh, a little Sonic the Hedgehoggy. Um, but speaking of Black Omen, I also love the song for Black Omen. Yeah, how's it go? Just vaguely, because I don't remember it at all. Um, the that bass that kicks in right at the beginning's the my favorite part. It's so good. That's the the really high piano with the really slapping bass. Yeah. That ding, ding, da, da, and then it picks up to the do, 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 Great. Yeah. So good. Oh, that is a great soundtrack. Or the, ah, I keep saying that. This is a great track on this soundtrack. <laughs> it's super good. Determination. World Revolution is amazing i think that's a great soundtrack <laughs> a great yes. track on this soundtrack <laughs> world revolution quite good yeah uh it's one that's really long too i mean that's almost four minutes long um mm-hmm. last battle is four minutes long 
that is Last Battle I actually like even more. Yeah. That's uh yeah. But I mean those are straight up like Super Nintendo era last boss songs. Super great. Yeah. Super great. Uh First Festival of Stars Epilogue to Good Friends to Far Away Times is one of the and that's like a like a heart warming song, a touching song. Yeah. So Yeah, that one's whatever. This is like almost three hours worth of music. Um just short and uh on the the soundtrack. It's quite a bit of music. That's quite good. I mean, it's a soundtrack that you just listen to forever. It's super good. Uh if you had it's to so destroy good. all other soundtracks on earth <laughs> video game and movie soundtracks and book soundtracks. I would destroy them all and keep Chrono Trigger. That sounds like a fan. That sounds like a, something like a fan would say. And I said <laughs> it. But you know what? This is a great. This is like it's Chrono Trigger is one of those games that I will definitively say this is a great game. You might not like it. Might not be your favorite game. But it's a it's a game that you that is de- demonstrably great. It has demonstrable quality to it. There's a quote that I used um, from Jacob Rosenberg, art historian and scholar, who said, "Artistic value or quality in a work of art is not merely a matter of personal opinion, but to a high degree a matter of common agreement among artistically sensitive and trained observers, and to a degree objectively traceable." That's something that I've made my crusade for a while. It's something I'll definitely stand by for Chrono Trigger. Chrono Trigger is not as a game that I'm not comfortable in merely saying, I think it's good. It's a game where I'm comfortable saying, I can demonstrate that it's good. I can demonstrate its quality, okay, objectively. Uh, not in everything, of course, come on, but there's a balance to everything in life. Uh, a balance. So... Uh, let's talk about a few covers. We'll take some final audience questions and we'll wrap this up. Um, I'm on, I really want to beat you to this cover mentioning because I know you're going to mention it. The Brink of Time, uh, the jazz cover album. I love that album. Why? That's one of the only ones I had. Why would you steal it? <laughs> you had a whole list written down and that wasn't on it. <laughs> no. So why would you take it from me? Because I wanted to. <laughs> why, do you like, why do you like that one? Why do you think? <laughs> because jazz. Because you like jazz. That I like jazz. I don't like. Uh, I, I mean, honestly, it was. I mean, I found that album maybe, maybe eight or nine years ago now, mm-hmm. and just you know, pirating music on some website somewhere, and just was typing in what Chrono Trigger. Let's see what comes up. Mm-hmm. And then I saw jazz and Chrono Trigger, and I was like, okay. And then I listened to it, and it's not really the kind of jazz that I typically listen to. Mm-hmm. But it was definitely jazz and a great interpretation of many of my favorite songs from the game. Mm. It, and it's great. Yeah. It's one of my favorite versions of the Magus Battle song. Mm. For sure. Yeah. It's Secret of the Forest uh, rendition is is one of my favorites. I love it. Mm-hmm. I um, want to give a shout out to the Contra Band. Have you listened to their uh, cover of Chrono Trigger? Yes, I've listened to, I don't know how many songs they've done, but I've listened to two by them. I think they've done just the main theme and just Secret of the Forest. Um, oh, okay. So there's your two right there. But yeah, they're Secret so of the Forest. So the main theme, I thought, the main theme is great. 
Uh, but I kind of think the intro goes on a little too long mm, mm-hmm. where it's just playing the actual song. Mm. It, get, get to the, the jam, get to the, right. the improv part, get to the jazz. Right. I mean, well, the secret is secret of the forest. That track is 11 minutes and 36 seconds long. <laughs> so there's a lot of, there's a lot of jamming uh, on these tracks. Obviously. And they're all great. Yeah. I mean, the, the musicians, I mean, they're great. Yeah. Um, somebody I want to mention, we were talking about earlier, not your cup of tea, but I really like Smooth the Groove. I think he's a super talented guy. I think his voice is like really smooth, like butter. Like if you had like <laughs> butter just pouring out of your mouth, like melted butter, not like sticks of butter. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think sticks pour out. <laughs> <laughs> You'll be surprised. Um, but I really like his uh, quarters of time. Again, he does that sort of like thing that he does with the snapping with the fingers banjo guy ollie he he is very talented i will say yeah banjo guy ollie uh does like a, a great acoustic version of the quarters of time as well uh, mm-hmm. what else you got uh the well, they call it wind scene by the consoles mm. uh who are another band the like contraband that i am a huge fan of that does jazz interpretations of video game songs uh, I think that I know of off the top of my head, they do at least three Chrono Trigger songs, but that one's my favorite one. Okay. Um, a big one is the Overclocked remixes, uh, Chrono Symphonic. Uh, a lot of people like to name drop name drop the Overclocked remixes. Um, you know, they're they're popular, they're good, they, and there's a lot. Um, mm-hmm. A new one, a uh, fairly new one to me, was uh, an original piano medley by Ostill Music. Um, I'm a pianist at heart and listening to this piano medley was just a pure delight. Yeah. I hadn't heard that before you sent me your list today and it was top notch. Yeah. I I really enjoyed that one. Um, one that I discovered a couple of years ago was there's a series of music somebody's making called melancholy music from TPR. Um, so this was a uh, album melancholy music from Chrono Trigger. They kind of play around with major and minor chords and set things into more what you would typically think melancholy to sound like uh, themes and motifs. Um, it's it wears eventually, at least on me. Um, I don't like to just listen to like what I would categorize as emo music constantly, or like <laughs> sad music all the time. But when I'm in a particular mood, like I'll listen to that album for sure. Uh, what's another one that you got? Um, I'm going to steal one of yours now. Oh, go ahead. <laughs> uh, the, I think his name's PPF. Was that what it was? Mm-hmm. That, uh, that was very surprisingly excellent. I mean, I'll watch any, I'm, I'm fascinated by any of those multi-instrumentalists who, shoot video of them playing each of the different parts and then putting the side-by-sides all together so they're basically a one-man band. But the sound quality um, and the choice of instruments mm-hmm. uh, like a, that he decided to go like with on that. Like a keyboard? <laughs> really yeah, cool. and like a plastic flute, yeah. basically. Yeah, like and recorder, then that weird... Yeah. It was Yeah, that, that one... That was almost like a clarinet, but not quite. Yeah. I'm not sure what that even was. Yeah. And then the hollowed metal pipes. Yeah. 
hanging from the string. Is that even a real instrument? Yeah, I don't like, know, but <laughs> I love how um, now you got. But then put it all together, and it was it amazing. Beautiful, yeah. Uh, you got to explore that channel. Um, th- he he does a lot of uh, a lot of um, like Donkey Kong Country. I think is how I found him actually. Um, but it just has this really great tactile sound to it. Something that you could like tangible that you can feel, you know, Mm -hmm. and it takes essentially a synthetic soundtrack and gives it a new kind of weight. Uh, That's just amazing. So, yeah, I I really enjoy that one. Uh, Chrono Trigger orchestral selections is really good. Um, Not so much interpretation as it is sort of uh, just like a replaying of a lot of these songs, but with what it would sound like with a full orchestra. Right, exactly. And that's something that if you're a fan of this game, you should definitely uh experience at least once um you'll enjoy it yeah definitely yeah but it's not going to it's not going to surprise you as in like oh that's an interesting choice of instrument no it's very much a literal reading of the original music anything else from you because i got one last one that i want to end with (laughs) uh nope actually we hit on all of mine that i did not write down because i didn't want you to see it but i want so why did i i'll remember that next time you ask me if there's any i was thinking of (laughs) well i didn't get to see your list anyway so i want to send it to you and get your like your immediate reaction Justin Bieber does a cover of a Chrono Trigger song. <laughs> nice. <laughs> oh, you get to edit nice this. Try, nice try, nice <laughs> try. Click on that. <laughs> Have you seen this before? No. <laughs> it's, it's ridiculous how well it works. So this is uh, uh, the Rick Roll and the Robo's theme uh, layered over each other. It's weird. <laughs> no, it's so perfect. Now you'll never be able to unhear that. Yeah. <laughs> and the singing starts at the same time as the melody. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It just, it works. No, I don't know why it's it not works, even, it works I'm so less well. curious as to how it works as I am <laughs> how someone thought of it. Was the, the song played on the radio while they were playing the game and it just happened to be... Right. Well, it's like once you, I don't know, it's like, well, once you hear it, once you hear it, you're like, oh, yeah, like the melodies share like some similarities, uh, you know, and, and so on and so forth. Um, maybe somebody was just playing. And I was like, oh, this kind of sounds like Rick Astley's uh, Never Gonna Give You Up. And um, and then they, they spliced it together. Actually, I saw a series of videos on YouTube the other day. I watched, I think, five or six of them. And it was all. Uh, basically side-by-sides of songs from games that sounded... Mm. Yeah. I think I'm seeing um, videos like that pop up, like influences for um, classic Mega Man songs and stuff like that. Really cool ideas, tying those things together. So, Well, that's our final gift to you, listener. (laughs) The Rick Roll Robo... (laughs) The Rick Robo Roll. Robo Astley, whatever you want to call it. That's (laughs) that's a weird phenomenon. Uh, let's look at a couple, a couple questions here on Twitter. Some of these I want to save for uh, some of the future episodes where we're going to talk about different subjects. <laughs> Budget arcades. At least your taste in video games is better than your taste in movies. With like a GIF 
from Princess Bride. Ah, I should have guessed. <laughs> <laughs> like, imagine referring to a masterpiece like Chrono Trigger in the same tweet as cheesy schlock like Princess Bride. Ugh. <laughs> I gotta wash my mouth out. Um, Yasunori Mitsuda and David Wise are the goats when it comes to video game music. IMO. Buck Chuck Gaming said that on Twitter. David Wise is amazing. Yes, yeah, I agree, story. but to yeah. to exclude Uematsu from that list is criminal. Well, maybe he's in the emoji, the goat emoji. <laughs> um, this is from Playjack Sayback on Twitter. Which piece of music from Chrono Trigger was the first to stick with you when the game was off? Uh, for me, it was Secret of the Forest, for sure. Probably the same one for me, if not uh, the Millennial Fair. Uh, this is from Critz McCritz. Of the game's various releases on Super Nintendo, PlayStation, DS, PC, Mobile, etc., which one do you consider your favorite and least favorite, and why? I know absolutely for sure, but I'm one of those who's like, I have no problem picking my favorites and least favorites, and I, they always remain the same. They don't fluctuate. Um but do you know yours, your favorite version of Chrono Trigger? Well, least I've only played version? two, so okay. So my favorite <laughs> is the original SNES, and then the mm-hmm. other one by default is my least favorite, and that's the DS release. Okay, so I've played a little bit of the uh, DS, and I've played and own the PlayStation One version, uh, which I detest. I think it's unplayable. Um, it has. Uh, it lures you in with these sort of anime cutscenes that are like super low frame rate and stuff like that. And you're like, I'm watching like moving pictures right now. It's weird. Um, but they don't really even add anything to the game, you know, cause the game was already essentially complete. Um, and then they tack on sort of an ending that ties it into cross. Uh, but you can, you know, if you've never played that version, you could just look up the, the cutscenes yourself and they sort of highlight scenes that were already in the game. In my opinion, like it doesn't need to be there. Your imagination is already filling that in much better than these, you know, quickly made anime cutscenes would anyways. But more importantly, the PS1 version has horrendous loading times. Uh, It has super long loading times between areas. And even when you open your menu and close your menu, it takes forever on a black screen to load the... Yeah, it is annoying. And imagine playing an RPG like that. You're like, oh, yeah, I just got to heal a character real quick with a potion. Nope. It's going to take you a minute at least. So I was one of those when I was a kid. Uh, a friend of my mom's was, like, watching me play video games once. We were being, like, babysat or something. And she was like, wow, you can really, like, go through those menus super quick. I was like, yeah, just done. Because uh, I knew where everything was. But if you add loading times to it, I mean, you're you're ruining the game. Yeah. You're renaming the game. So, um, yeah, yeah, the anime cutscenes aren't worth it for longer loading times like that. So, it is the Super Nintendo version that I think is is the best. Um, the mobile version <laughs> that they put out on Steam, <laughs> or like people are like Chrono Trigger on Steam, what? And then it ends up being like the worst version. Yeah, I heard it's ever. horrible. Like, oh, yeah. Well, it looks ugly. I mean, it looks atrocious. Anyways, um. This is from Absolute Katie, who asked, what would you tell someone like me who's never played Chrono Trigger to illustrate why I must play it? Uh, like everything we've said in this podcast. I know, yeah. Listen to this episode. <laughs> yeah. uh, it's yeah. the best game of all time. 
Yeah. I, I, a lot of people said that. A lot of people mentioned polish and stuff like that. If I had to say one thing, I would say, again, the dream team. It was a combination of people in their prime that uh, you'll never see that exact combination of talents ever again. And they produced this one dream project. And it's an incredible. This is from Sanity Crypto. The Wind Scene song was one of the first songs I had ever downloaded to use on a phone. It was my alarm to wake up for a whole year, and I still love it. Timeless, amazing song. Uh, Corridors of Time was a song that I used to wake up to uh, for an alarm on my phone. Do you ever have a Chrono Trigger alarm? Uh, I did not. I've had Earthbound, Mega Man X, but I have not had Chrono Trigger. So... <clears throat> We're nearing the end of this podcast, but uh, we talked a lot about our favorites in music, and I put out on Twitter, you know, what are your what's your favorite track off of this game? Uh, Adventure Rules <laughs> said, how would you feel if I asked you to pick a favorite child? <laughs> That's kind of what it feels <laughs> like to pick a favorite track off of this game. I, um, I mean, you, uh, you earlier sent me your notes for the episode, and it said top five, and I probably changed it five or six times and i was still writing it yeah. when you called me on skype <laughs> <laughs> it's such yeah it's such a an amazing soundtrack so folks if you've not played chrono trigger before i hope this episode encourages you to play it um i would say if you've never played chrono trigger do not listen to the soundtrack on its own first play the game first and let the music enhance that gameplay experience as it was intended to in the proper context, and then go back and enjoy the soundtrack uh, on its own in isolation. But um, this has been an episode of Magecast talking about music with my good friend ABXY. Thanks for joining me, sir. Thank you for having me. Did I, I called you ABXY the whole episode, I just realized. We did not no, use like first names. That's so weird, Brent. Thanks. Ah. <laughs> uh, so next Chrono Trigger episode, Chrono Trigger Part 2 is going to be uh, hopefully on story and gameplay. So I will see you guys next time. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye. Well, that's it for Magecast. The spell is wearing off. But stick around for a promo about another show I know you just love. I hope you enjoyed this episode as much as I did. If you liked it, please like, subscribe, and share this episode to help us reach a wider audience. If you enjoy our work, please consider supporting us and our vision for the future of civil gaming conversations with a monthly pledge of any amount at patreon.com forward slash the well-read mage. The Magecast theme song Celadon was composed by Russell Gordon, whose work you can find on YouTube and SoundCloud. This episode may be over, but the legend will live on. Passed down by the dwarves, the elves, and the dragons. Stranger, buy me a drink and I'll tell you a secret. <sighs> Thank you. Now, about that secret. If it's video game and video game music discussion you're after, seek out the Little Fella Media Network at buzzsprout.com. Legend has it that there is a podcast there, hosted by a skeleton, known as the ABXY Mage from thewellreadmage.com Go, see for yourself.
It's called Side Quests. And it's about video games and video game music. And if you are leaving now, take me with you. <laughs>